Welcome, fearless freaks and creepy connoisseurs, to an extra gruesome, expletive-laden episode of The Horror Report with your spectral host, Dr. Golula. Tonight, we rip open the coffin on a cadaverous countdown that'll haunt your dreams and tickle your terror taste buds. We're delving into the blood-curdling badasses of horror, those ten skin-crawling cinema spectacles that clawed out the entrails of the genre and stuffed it with their bold, bloody innovations. Brace your bony asses for bone-chilling tales, from demonic possessions to slashers who give a whole new meaning to cutting edge. It's a full-blown fright fest up in here, so light your jack-o'-lanterns and clutch your crucifixes tight. Ready to scream your lungs out? Dr. Golula's got you covered, let the nightmare begin. Well, mesdames et messieurs who crave the macabre, strap your sanity in tight because we're diving skull-first into a ghost story that gripped our guts and didn't let go. At number 10, The Conjuring, Yank the Ouija board right out of the dusty attic and onto the Hollywood big screen, and hell, did it leave a sinister mark. Hats off to James Wan, the twisted genius who directed this masterpiece. He wasn't just satisfied with creeping us out, no, he wanted us to sleep with the lights on for weeks. The Conjuring, tells the tale of the Perron family who move into a dilapidated farmhouse only to find that it's already occupied by, yep, you guessed it, a host of menacing spirits. But these aren't your Casper-friendly ghost types. Oh no, they're the kind that make your blood freeze with just a whisper. The Conjuring plays out like a seance gone horribly right, with the dead talking back in ways that'll freeze your blood. The sound design alone would have you crapping bricks, those creaks, whispers, and spine-chilling claps, not your average eerie background noise, but a full-blown auditory assault from hell itself. And let's talk about those infamous props, the goddamn creepy-ass dolls and the noose-ready wardrobes, Objects you'd never even glance at in your grandma's house suddenly became the stuff of nightmares. Seriously, who knew a freaking music box could make you piss your pants? But it wasn't just old school scares. It was the way Juan made you feel like you were right there, in the haunted trenches with the godforsaken Peron family, every bone cracking step of the way. The realism rattled you because, let's face it, deep down, you're scared shitless that something this messed up could happen to you. Now, what sets The Conjuring apart is how it masterfully builds an atmosphere thicker than a graveyard fog. It's a nod to the old-school haunted house genre, injected with a dose of steroids. No cheap jump scares here, the film prefers to coil around your spine and squeeze slowly. You feel it in the unspoken, the shadows lurking in every corner, creeping closer with each passing second until bam. Your popcorn's in your lap and you're two inches off your seat. And can we talk about Ed and Lorraine Warren? the paranormal investigator power couple played by Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. These two didn't just rock the 70s, fashion, they brought a human touch to the spook fest, grounding the supernatural with a touch of heartfelt reality. The Conjuring wasn't just a film, it was an experience, a freaking masterclass in how less can be so damnably more when you've got the haunted balls to stick to the chilling basics. So, tip your hat, you horror junkies, and pay your respects to this diabolical gem that reinvented fear and had us all clinging to our bedsheets, dreading what lies in the shadows of our own homes. The cherry on top, that clap game, Jesus wept, no kitty game has ever been turned into something so unnervingly terrifying. The Conjuring, made a second guess every bump in the night and eye our wardrobes with suspicion. As if haunted houses weren't sinister enough, The Conjuring, also spawned its own demonic cinematic universe. So, thanks to this bad boy, not only do we get one pants wedding terror, but a smorgasbord of spin-offs that keep on giving, or taking, depending on how you look at it. So, 
To you, The Conjuring, we tip our hats for summoning forth an era where even the skeptics might think twice before scoffing at things that go bump in the night. This isn't just a movie, it's a hard racing, scream-inducing, diabolical delight that repossessed the haunted house genre and renovated it from the inside out. Hunker down, horror hounds, it's time to talk about the blood-spattered spectacle that is Saw. That's right, the ninth circle of our hellacious list, and a sadistic good time for all you sickos who get a kick out of watching people cut a foot off. The dank, dirty bathroom where it all kicks off is less of a shitter and more like a piteous purgatory, with jaw-rigged death traps and the kind of moral quandaries that'd make even Nietzsche squirm in his grave. The game's afoot when two gents wake up shackled, and the only way out is to play by the rules of some twisted maniac who thinks he's the Bob Ross of gore, painting masterpieces with entrails and severed limbs. But lo and behold, the most fucked up puppet since Pinocchio, a godforsaken jigsaw piece with a fetish for spirals, bikes in to tell you your life sucks, and hey, how about a change, with a slice of life or death decisions? There's a man who's a few screws short of a hardware store, calling himself Jigsaw, and no, we're not talking about puzzles your granny whips out at family reunions. Saw is a twisted amalgam of moral quandaries and bodily fluids that makes you squirm with glee and revulsion. It's like being on a first date with the love of your life, but you're both knee-deep in quicksand, and the waiter just handed you a serrated knife instead of a dinner roll. The impact of this flick was like a meat cleaver to the face of the horror genre. It spawned seven sequels, each more elaborate and gore-soaked than the last, cementing Jigsaw's place as a horror icon with more edge than a box of razors at a porcupine's birthday bash. The ingenuity of Saw is not just in its ability to make you clench your teeth till your fillings scream for mercy. No, it's in its delectable twist ending, a reveal so cunning and so jaw-dropping, it's the cinematic equivalent of finding out Mother Teresa was running an underground fight club for nuns. Subtle as a sledgehammer to the kneecaps, this beastly blockbuster gave us the torture porn label. But before you pious pikers puke at the premise, let's carve a bit deeper, shall we? Saw dug its claws into something gritty and raw, trailing breadcrumbs back to the Grand Guignol, where dread isn't just splattered across the walls, it's the uncertainty of choices under the blade that gets the real screams. The sick son of a bitch spawned a lineage of copycats, heralding a renaissance in how terror taps into the psyche. And hell, wasn't that just the beginning of a beautiful bloodbath franchise? So here's to Saw at number 9 on our gruesome countdown. It's the movie that had us all collectively agreeing that, yes, perhaps we would saw off our own foot for a shot at survival, or at the very least, for a decent Wi-Fi signal. Let the games begin. So there you have it, creeps and fiends, with a surgeon's precision, Saw carved out a niche where every choice was a cutthroat question. How much flesh would you wager to wriggle your way out of hell? Let's just say it left audiences appreciating the limbs they still had attached and the creepers coming back for more. Now, steal your stomachs for what's lurking around the corner because things are about to get a whole lot darker. Imagine going on a camping trip, thinking you'd get some good old fresh air and maybe a deer sighting if you're lucky. But the woods have different plans for you, my demented friends. At our devilish number 8, the Blair Witch Project, rears its ugly head. This shudder-inducing jewel-kicked traditional horror in the gonads, ditching Dracula capes in haunted mansions for a shaky cam and a snot bubble. Hell yes, a snot bubble. In 99, three noob filmmakers decided it'd be a bang-up idea to hunt down a folktale witch in the backwoods of Maryland. What could go wrong, right? The result? Found-footage horror that blurs the line between unhinged reality and spine-tingling fiction. 
They turned the camera on themselves, and in doing so, creepily turned it on us. We're all part of the horror show now. Nothing but shaky cameras, snub bubbles, and a hell of an improvised script turned this indie film into a vomit-inducing extravaganza. We're talking about a flick that cost the price of a used car to make, and yet it clawed out the eyeballs and wallets of audiences worldwide. The Blair Witch Project didn't just scare the crap out of people, it redefined wallet-friendly fearmongering. Critics held an audience's pissed their pants as they were dragged through an unfiltered tale of pure terror. But the real genius, the bloody marketing campaign, these wicked bastards sold it as the real deal. Missing posters of the actors. Check. A website dripping with creepy-ass lore. Double check. Viewers ate it up like a horde of zombies at an all-you-can-eat brain buffet. What these fiendish filmmakers coughed up was a minimalist sick dream. No fancy effects, no demon makeup, just raw, improvised frights, as the trio descended into paranoia, snapping at each other with the intensity of a hungry gator. What's lurking in those pitch-black Maryland woods, you ask? No one knows, and that unknown is more petrifying than a chainsaw-wielding maniac in a rubber mask. The Blair Witch Project, a sinister love letter to ambiguity. It slapped us in the face, stole our wallets, and we said, thank you, may I have another? And to all you aspiring horror maestros out there, sometimes, all you need is a damn good story and the balls to let the audience scare itself shitless. Stick that in your cauldron and brew it. And don't even get me started on that ending. Those final shots, man, they plunge you into an abyss of despair so deep you'd need to sell your soul to crawl out. That raw, unfiltered terror carved its name into the annals of horror history with a dirty, rusted knife, no fancy CGI, no jump scares, just pure, unadulterated psychological torment. This is the masterpiece that blazed a dreadful path for every shaky, nauseating found footage fright fest that dared follow in its shaky footsteps. From paranormal activity to Cloverfield, these flicks owe a beastly roar of thanks to the Blair Witch Project. It birthed an entire sub-genre of horror, convincing every Tom, Dick, and creepy uncle that they could scare the living hell out of you with little more than a camcorder and a disturbing idea. All right, you sick ghouls gathering, round for a slash-tastic tale, let's rev up the gore for number seven in our fucked-up countdown. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or as I like to call it, the blood-soaked ballet of buzzing blades, carved its name deep into the rotting flesh of horror history. This 1974 gut ripper didn't just redefine the slasher genre, it fucking disemboweled it and strung its innards up for all to see. Now, picture this, a scorching hot Texas hellscape and a van packed tighter than a coffin with unsuspecting meat, ah, I mean, teens. Enter Leatherface, a butcher mask-wearing, chainsaw-wielding maniac with a true artist's eye for human taxidermy. The beauty of this horror show isn't just the gallons of claret spilling across the screen, but the raw, unapologetic terror it inflicts. The sick bastards behind this flick, director Toby Hooper and his twisted crew, they had balls, balls big enough to use the word, chainsaw, in their title, cuz let's face it, that shit sells tickets. And it was a ballsy move to flirt with the whole, based on true events cock and bull to get asses vibrating in theater seats. Now, what really hacks the norms to pieces is the goddamn relentless tension. Like a dim-witted victim in the corner, you know Leatherface is gonna get him, but Hooper plays you like the squealing pigs in the movie, building up an unbearable dread, then bam. Blood, bone, and shit hits the fan. And let's take a skull-splitting moment to appreciate the grisly star himself, Leatherface. This chainsaw-dancing motherfucker redefined, masked killer, no pretentious backstories, 
no mommy issues, just pure, uncut terror wrapped in human fucking skin. You can keep your Draculas and your Wolfman, this is the boogeyman that'll haunt your wettest nightmares. It's no freaking fairy tale where you root for the good guy. Nah, here, you're praying you don't wet yourself as your popcorn goes flying. Each whir of that chainsaw, each desperate gasp is like a love letter to fear itself. And the best part, no supernatural bullshit, it's all too human, too possible, like a bad trip with no return ticket. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, chomped at the bit of our comfortable little lives, showing us that monsters are real and they ain't hiding under your bed, they're serving chili at the gas station and it might just be your Uncle Joe. The film didn't just scare the hell out of us, it reinvented the wheel, carving its name deep into the flesh of the genre. This relentless nightmare of a flick made us look over our shoulders and think twice about road trips in the boonies. Its legacy is splattered all over, influencing decades of storytellers who want a taste of that sweet, tangy terror. So next time you hear a power tool, remember, it's more than just a tool, it's an icon of horror, courtesy of The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. In conclusion, folks, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre isn't just a film, it's a stone-cold, steel-toothed legacy with balls that clank. And like a fine wine, it only gets more fucked up with age. So next time you hear the buzz of a saw at your neighbor's barbecue, remind yourself, could be ribs, could be Uncle Frank. Lumbering into the sixth place on our grotesque gallery of genre-bending horror is none other than George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead. This festering piece of cinematic history single-handedly resurrected the zombie genre from the depths of the grave, giving it a rotting new lease on life. Picture this. It's 1968, audiences are cozy in their ignorance of flesh-eating ghouls, when bam. Black and white images flicker on the screen, and suddenly, we're trapped in a rural Pennsylvania farmhouse, under siege by waves of relentless, reanimated corpses. Oh, what a bloody treat it is. You gotta love the sheer audacity of Romero, who essentially said, screw your gothic vampires and hammer horror, I'm serving up blue-collar zombies hungry for brains and social commentary. Yes, my creek-craving friends, it wasn't just mindless munching, Romero's masterpiece was gnawing at the very fabric of American society, with its chilling portrayal of racial tensions, the Vietnam War, and the collapse of the nuclear family unit, all wrapped up in a shroud of apocalyptic dread. What the hell were they thinking back then, showing the dead feasting on entrails, ghastly bone-white faces pressed against shattered windows, and the unrelenting doom of those trapped inside, breaking under psychological pressure. People lost their minds, midnight movies turned into petrified screaming fates, where popcorn was replaced by sheer, unabashed terror. And let's not forget that ending. No spoiler alerts here, but come on, it's been over 50 years. That stark, cruel finale sliced through horror conventions like a machete through zombie flesh, leaving us with a grim reflection of our own mortality and resilience, or the lack thereof. Night of the Living Dead didn't just swing open the creaky gates for the countless undead hordes that followed, it tore the gates off their damn hinges. From The Walking Dead to 28 Days Later, an entire decomposing dynasty of flesh munchers owes its rotten roots to Romero's pioneering vision. So, hats off, or should I say heads off, to this groundbreaking slice of horror history. It truly is the everlasting nightmare that keeps on giving, bite by painful bite. Night of the Living Dead didn't just pop out of the earth without a pulse, it delivered a biting commentary on the issues eating away at society's flesh. With its portrayal of race, the movie sucker punched a civil rights silhouette right in the kisser. 
The black protagonist, Ben, played by the badass Dwayne Jones, wasn't just breaking heads, he was breaking boundaries, baby. This cinematic seance also skewered the media, with television sets spewing out as much crap as a backed-up cemetery portage on, and the local authorities as useful as a chocolate coffin. The message was as subtle as a sledgehammer to the sternum, wake up, or you might find yourself in a graveyard smash you can't jive your way out of. And let's not overlook that now we're the ending. Oh, sweet Lucifer's beard, it's like a shot to the cerebellum that leaves you colder than a witch's tit in a brass bra. No spoilers here, my eerie entourage, but it's darker than a vampire's suntan and twice as shocking. Ah, welcome to the halfway mark in our nefarious list, my ghoulish friends. Cornering the number five spot is the granddaddy of all psychological thrillers, Alfred Hitchcock's pathologically delightful, Psycho. This is the sinister nest from which all modern terror birds have taken flight, clawing at the delicate tapestry of what society held sacred in cinema. Back in 1960, when black and white was the real deal and not just a hipster trend, Hitchcock sliced through the silver screen with a goddamn butcher knife, delivering the most infamous shower scene in all of film history. No blood and guts in lurid color, just good old-fashioned, high-pitched shrieking and chocolate syrup swirling down the drain. Here, classic horror. Hitchcock, that crafty motherfucker, didn't just terrorize his audience, he made us voyeurs to madness. We became peeping toms, fixated on Janet Lee's unsuspecting Marion Crane. He cruelly made us accomplices to Norman Bates' Oedipal Nightmare, a fucked-up mama's boy with a penchant for taxidermy and dress-up. This guy raised the bar for creepiness before creeps were even a thing. Look, before, Psycho, horror was a creature feature game. It was the Boris Karloffs, the Bella Lugosis, the gaudy monsters and rubber suits. But Hitch said, screw that noise, I'm going to show you the boogeyman next door, the monster in your head. And lo, the slasher genre was born, a deeply unhinged offspring with a legacy bloodier than a medium rare steak at a vampire's dinner party. Thanks to, Psycho, moviegoers were too scared to shower and filmmakers learned that the real horror isn't lurking in the shadows of some Transylvanian castle. No, it's hiding behind the twitch of the neighbor's curtains, it's buried under the floorboards of a quiet roadside motel. So, raise your butcher knives, your shower curtains, and let's give it up for the godfather of the stabby-slappy on-screen freakouts. Psycho, forever etching its black and white visage onto our morbid little hearts. Just remember to lock the bathroom door, my dear flesh bags, because the next time you hear a drain gurgle, it might just be old Normie paying a visit. And on that bone-rattling note, let's glide, like Marion Crane's last breath, into film number four. Slipping out from the shadowy corners of the mind and straight into fourth place on our insidious little list, the Babadook looms like a specter over the horror landscape. But don't be fooled by its boogeyman facade, this Australian creep show does so much more than just go bump in the night. Crafted with a morbid elegance by director Jennifer Kent, The Babadook doesn't just haunt, it suffocates with an atmosphere thickened by the palpable grief of our protagonist, the widowed Amelia. She's wrestling with the kind of sorrow that claws at the soul, and not even her son Sam's unnerving behavior can snap her out a bit. That is, until Mr. Babadook, a character from a twisted pop-up book, begins to lurk in the fringes of their lives. Let's get one thing straight, this isn't your garden variety jump scare fest. The Babadook, with his sinister hat and charcoal grin, personifies the darkness within us all, the crushing weight of loss and the demons of our own psyche that we desperately try to keep at bay. It's that psychological depth that seeps into your marrow, turning the familiar terror of the monster under the bed trope into a sophisticated dance with despair.
Now for the real sick twist, my ghoulish listeners. The Babadook doesn't just invade our minds with its deeply metaphorical shenanigans, it also burrows into popular culture, becoming an unlikely queer icon. That's right, old Mr. Babadook is serving as some demonic diva realness, and we're living for it. How's that for blending terror with a touch of fabulousness? Through a narrative woven with themes of motherhood, mental illness, and the monsters we lock away, the Babadook doesn't just earn its spot on this list by being frightening. No, it earns it by being real, raw, and a stark reminder that the most horrifying beasts are often hidden beneath the veneer of the everyday, cloaked in the drab gray of morning. So, dim the lights, clutch your loved ones tight, and whatever you do, don't let it in, because you can't get rid of the Babadook. Get ready to sink into the sunken place as we crack the top three with Jordan Peele's masterful horror satire, Get Out. This isn't just your garden variety scare fest, my twisted friends. Peele took horror and shoved a giant silver spoon of social critique down its throat, stirring up the pot of racial tensions with a wickedly sharp wit, holy hell, did it leave us shook. Get Out is like a slap to the face with a cold, dead hand. It's clever, damn clever. With a plot that's tighter than a coffin lid, it locks you in from the start. A black man meeting his white girlfriend's parents in a secluded estate, what could go wrong? Everything, dear listeners, everything. This film peels back the civility-like skin from a corpse, revealing the horror lurking beneath pseudo-liberal facades. Let's talk about the auction scene, a parade of politeness hiding a monstrous truth. Creepier than a graveyard at midnight, it's a spectacle of suburban savages bidding on a man's very essence. And that scene with the blind art dealer. A symphony of screams and social critique, all wrapped into one eye-opening ordeal. But, oh, the horror isn't just in the theme, it's in the suspense, the performances, the goddamn tingles up your spine when the truth crawls out its hiding hole. Daniel Kaluuya's portrayal of Chris, a man lost in an increasingly nightmarish reality, is as real as it gets. His terror is our terror. His desire to escape becomes our all-consuming need. Here's the kicker, Get Out dances on the grave of traditional horror. It doesn't need the supernatural to scare the soul out of you. The true monsters have human faces, and their smiles. They're more chilling than a vampire's gaze. The film's use of hypnosis, a clever metaphor for the manipulation and control lurking in society's shadows, is downright terrifying. Forget the ghosts and ghouls, the real fright is thinking you're in a post-racial America, only to find the horror show is just putting on a new mask. Get Out isn't just a movie, it's a cultural reckoning wrapped in horror tropes. It poked a hole in the balloon of horror complacency, and damn, did it burst with blood-curdling brilliance. So, there you have it, Get Out, at number 3, scaring the living daylights out of us by holding up a mirror and showing us the real horrors, us. Jordan Peele, you magnificent bastard, You've turned the genre on its head, and for that, we salute you, now someone pass the popcorn and the damn tissues. Alright, you demented darlings, creeping in at number two on our journey into the abyss is none other than, Scream. This isn't just your grandma's slasher flick, it's a goddamn revolution with a knife. It wasn't enough for director Wes Craven to haunt our dreams with Freddy, oh no, he had to flip the script on us too. Scream, gushes with blood and self-awareness carving up every cliché in the book. Picture this, a small, sleepy town gets gutted by a series of gruesome murders. The killer mask, freaking iconic, the opening scene, it's got more chills than a meat locker, and the voice on the phone, cold as a witch's tit, you think you know what's coming next, 
But this clever bastard of a movie is always two stabs ahead. But Scream isn't just about the slice and dice, no, sir. It's smart as hell, offering a wry, wicked critique of the horror genre while managing to scare the pants off us. It's a full-fledged, self-referential bash, nailing the tropes to the wall and still making you jump at shadows. Our killer's not just here for blood, they want to play a twisted game of horror movie trivia too. And when the characters in the film are trying to survive by following the same rules, we all yell at the screen, you can't help but cackle as they tick off the checklist, don't have sex, don't do drugs, and for the love of Dracula, don't say you'll be right back. The cast, my ghoulish friends, is as sharp as the killer's blade. Neve Campbell, Sidney Prescott, a final girl with balls, and smarts to boot. Courtney Cox's Gail Weathers, a reporter that'd kill for a scoop, and almost gets killed getting it. The rest of the body count, prime meat for the slasher grinder. So, raise a bloody Mary for, scream, the film that cut deep into the 90s psyche. It reanimated the corpse of the slasher genre with a fresh, keen edge and a side of snarky cynicism. It's the kind of flick that makes you double-check the locks and side-eye the phone. And remember, it's all fun and games until somebody calls asking what your favorite scary movie is. Clench those rosaries, horror hounds, because snatching the cursed crown at numero uno is the mother of all pea soup vomits, the exorcist. Can you believe this possessed piece of cinematic sacrilege has been twisting heads and corrupting souls since 1973? This is the devilish flick that made an entire flock prey for daylight and sold-out beds, not for sexy times, oh no, but for fear of devilish defilement as they shivered under their holy water-drenched sheets. When young Regan starts spouting profanities like a sailor on shore leave and doing the spider walk that puts all yoga moves to shame, even the toughest of tough guys were clutching their theater seats as if they were life preservers. William Friedkin, that crafty demon director, didn't just make a scary movie, he gave us a full-blown exorcism tutorial, with enough Latin to fill a semester at the Pope's own Hogwarts. And can we talk about the practical effects? They didn't need any of that CGI hocus-pocus to make us crap our collective pants. No sir, they used some good old-fashioned animatronics and makeup to turn a sweet little girl into a head-spinning, blasphemy-spewing nightmare that would make Satan himself say, Damn, girl, pace yourself. The Exorcist took what we thought about horror movies and drop-kicked it into the fiery pits of hell. It set the bar for atmospheric dread and delivered a cultural moment that had churches locking up their holy water like Fort Knox. Every possession romp that came after just seemed like a cherubic choirboy in comparison. It was the film that dared us to gaze into the abyss and see what gazed back, complete with rotating heads, demonically defiled religious iconography, and an Oscar nod that made Hollywood take horror seriously. So there we have it, the king, the pope, the freaking deity of all things terrifying. The Exorcist, reigns supreme, a film the devil himself gave two horns up. Dim the lights, flick on the old projector, and prepare for an old priest, a young priest, and a demonic showdown that'll have you screaming, Holy Mother of God, in no time. Just remember to stock up on the holy water, and for the love of all that is unholy, don't invite any priests over for dinner. This concludes our unholy countdown with Dr. Golula. We've excavated the decrepit tombs of cinematography to bring you the game changers, the nightmare creators, the absolute blood-curdling, spine-tingling masters of horror that have hooked their claws into the flesh of this genre and dragged it into twisted new realms. We've held at the moon with werewolves, danced with demons, and peeked behind the curtain at the psychopaths decorating their dungeons with the latest in victim chic. From the satanic freakouts of The Exorcist, 
to the meta-slasher brilliance of Scream, we've sliced through the cinematic carnage to showcase the films that have reanimated the corpse of horror. If your skin isn't crawling, it's on too tight. So, ghouls and boys, until our paths cross again on this ghostly journey through the shadows, keep the crypt doors locked, your holy water handy, and whatever you do, dear listeners, stay spooky.